When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about being a better speaker and building a better business. I'm so excited that I get to host this show. My name is Tom Singer, and today our guest is, wait, this is weird. Our guest is me. Our guest is Tom Singer, because today we're going to talk a little bit about podcasting and how speakers can get paid to host other people's podcasts. And so we have a podcast takeover going on. My friend Eliz Green is going to host today's episode. Hey, Eliz, welcome to Speakernomics. Well, this is a real treat, a a little flip of the whole show. I am delighted to be here. And Tom, to kick off the interview, before we get to the details, Tom, what are your two best tips for speakers who want to be hired to host their clients' podcasts? Well, the first thing you have to do, tip number one, is you have to have a lot of experience in interviewing people. And tip number two Let as many people as you possibly can know that you are available to do this type of work. Mm, Those are good tips. But before we dig into those, let me tell you about Tom Singer. Just in case you don't know Tom Singer, and really, how do you not know Tom Singer if you're listening to the podcast, but maybe it's your first episode, and if so, welcome. Tom Singer is a professional speaker, a podcast host, and an all-around good egg. He is a person that you want to know. He is someone who is skilled beyond belief in connecting people to each other. He has just a remarkable way of getting people to connect, whether that's an event or through a podcast. He also is an expert in building community and collaboration. So, Tom... Welcome to the Speakernomics podcast as a guest. Well, Eliz, thank you so much for having me. I I couldn't imagine anybody I would rather hand the keys over to to drive this (laughs) podcast. So so I'm all yours. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, before we dig into your tips, I want to frame this a little bit because it may not be a logical connection to think that a podcast might somehow be connected to being a professional speaker. So do you think that hosting a podcast or hosting one for an association or company leads to speaking gigs? Oh, well, absolutely. I started my personal podcast, which is now called Making Waves at Sea Level, 
It was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I started Mm -hmm. that seven years ago. And from the first year I had the show, every year I have spun out two or three keynote or master of ceremonies gigs because people Mm -hmm. who listen to the show or people who were guests on the show ended up referring me or hiring me to speak. So if you're the host of the show and you let people know that you're a professional speaker, you're a master of ceremonies, that sticks in their brain. And when it's time to hire, they think, oh, there's that person whose podcast I listen to who's available to do that. So it has been from the beginning seven years ago, a way for me to feed Uh, feed my own speaking career. However, in the last couple of years, since I've been hosting shows for other organizations, it has led to me being the master of ceremonies or a keynote speaker at events that those organizations have or other Mm -hmm. people in those industries have. So I actually have some stuff on the calendar coming up that are for two of the podcasts that I host because that organization is having an event and they want me to be the master of ceremonies and one of the speakers because their audience already knows me since I'm the host of their show. You're the voice of their association or their company, and they want to hear that voice when they go and meet together. That makes a lot of sense. And you said something really important there that I don't want to get lost. You said when people know that you're a professional speaker, it leads to getting hired to be a professional speaker. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever received from a speaker nominates guest, Lois Kramer, is that you have to tell people that you're a professional speaker because they do not necessarily make that connection. I would imagine that's even more important when you're hosting a podcast. Oh, absolutely. And and I host a show called the Sales Tech Podcast. So I hope that everybody who mm-hmm. listens, they'll go check out all these other shows that, that I host. I host a show called the Sales Tech Podcast. And one of the guests was the CEO of a tech company. And mm-hmm. I used my career as a master of ceremonies and a speaker in an example in while he and I were just bantering and having the conversation. And afterwards, when we stopped recording, he said, we do a user's conference. Is that the type of thing you speak at? And I said, well, well, yes, it is. Well, yes, sir. And so he told me, call me in October because that's when I'm going to start looking for speakers. And so I have that in my calendar that October Mm -hmm. 1st, he'll be my first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I will, you know, follow up with him specifically for that. That makes a a lot of sense. So you talked a little bit about how you got into hosting your own podcast, Um, although not why you made the decision to host your own podcast. But I'm also interested is how did you start doing this for other people, other associations and companies? Well, I made the decision to host my own show because I I was in a bit of a rut in my speaking career. And I was actually at Influence. I don't think we even called it Mm. Influence seven years ago, but I was at the National Speakers Association Summer Conference. And I was in a session and the person leading the breakout session said, if you're ever in a rut, One of the ways to help yourself get out of a rut in business is go interview 25 really Mm -hmm. successful people. And at the end of those interviews, there's no way you don't walk away with a nugget, a theory, or an idea that you can put into practice in your own business. And I thought, well, I'm going to start a podcast because seven years ago, podcasts were just starting to come out of the basement and go mainstream. And so I thought, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do this. Now, I, the mistake I made is I didn't make it about human connection. I didn't make it about collaboration mm-hmm. and community. My podcast was about entrepreneurship because I wanted to interview entrepreneurs. 
Now, when I look back, it would have been a great idea to have tied my personal podcast directly to my topic that I spoke on, but I didn't for a series of reasons, and that's okay. My show has been very successful, and because it was successful, it led to me now hosting currently three other shows, and I'm actually in negotiation with with two associations and one other company about being the host of their programs. And the way it came about was I had been the keynote speaker one year and then the master of ceremonies two more years for a large association. And that association went through a bunch of changes about two and a half years ago, and they were no longer going to do big events. They were going to do more education. But to reach their members, they wanted to start a podcast. And they knew that I had had one because they had been on it, uh, some of their, mm-hmm. their key people. And so they asked me for a little bit of advice, hired me to do some consulting about how they could start it. And they came back and said, we don't have anyone on staff who has the energy and the personality. Plus, we don't want to give that role to a staff member who might leave for another job. We don't want that to be a temporary thing. We want someone who could be our host for years. Could we hire you to do that? And so I did a little bit of research. I did a little thinking about it. We came up with a very fair price. And I've now, we're coming up on three years that I've been hosting the show now called the Digital Enterprise Society Podcast. And I co-host, it's a technology organization. I co-host it with an engineer who used to work for General Motors. And uh, the show is really successful for them as a a way to drive membership and to communicate with their members. And I now host these two other shows, one of them being Speakernomics for the National Speakers Association. And they wanted to make a change off of what they used to have with Voices of Experience. And they, they talked to me about it, and we partnered to come up with this brand new format that we've been using since January under the, the, the banner of Speakernomics. And it's been uh, so cool to watch the evolution of not only this podcast here, but of all of the, the things you have done throughout that entire time. So as you know, I am loath to adopt new things because I have to wait to see if they're going to work out before I invest a lot of time in them. Uh, Not diving into TikTok quite yet. Going to wait and see. So what do you think? Is this podcast thing something that speakers could consider? Is there going to be a market for hosts to host other people's podcasts? Yeah, the podcast market is still growing. Now, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of podcasts that have been started and then faded away. Some of our friends in the speaking business, I had a conversation with a couple of speakers the other day that they got to about episode 20 or episode 10, Mm -hmm. and and they just didn't see it as worth their time, so they they let it go, Mm -hmm. which is fine. There's actually a term for that, though. It's called pod fade. People jump in, they think (laughs) it's going to be great, and then their enthusiasm sort of fades away. Mm-hmm. 2.3 million podcasts have been started since the podcast boom began, and only about four or 500,000 of those had a new episode in the last month. So that oh. shows that there's a lot of podcasts that have faded away. However, mm-hmm. that number of 500,000 last month is up. So the, the active podcast number is still, is still growing. And as more and more companies who are, who are like you, Eliz, who say, oh, we're going to wait and see, this is no right. longer a fad. You know, seven years ago, people were like, you're starting a what? I don't know what a podcast is. <laughs> now there's nobody who, who probably hasn't listened to one in the past few weeks. I mean, most people know what they are. Many people are consumers. So a lot of companies, brands, and associations are saying this might be a great communication tool to have with our members. And like I said, with, with my first podcast that I host, a lot of these organizations don't have somebody with the skills 
and they may not want to give it to a volunteer. You know, inside associations, there can be a lot of, uh, um, you know, kind of back and forth. And why did he get it? Or why not me, et cetera. So having an outside host for a lot of groups is going to be the answer. And over the course of the last year, as I've started to do this more and more, I'm starting to see more interest in organizations having someone who is a professional. And those of us who are professional speakers, we know how to use the spoken word. And so right. that gives us an, an advantage over Becky in accounting. So if, <laughs> if you're really good with the spoken word and you can think on your feet and you can learn to be a good interviewer, then what's gonna happen is I think the market for this is gonna grow and you know, it can be it can be a lucrative thing if you have enough of them. Any one show probably isn't gonna make you wealthy. But if you like doing it and you can put together six or 10 shows and it works with your schedule and your travel schedule, it might be a great arm for you. And the way I have lined it out in my own business is it's part of my speaking business. Now, mm-hmm. I do some coaching and I work for another, I work for an executive search firm. I look at those as separate. However, mm-hmm. the podcast hosting, I'm sitting here at a microphone speaking. And so mm-hmm. I look at that as a subset of being a professional speaker because I'm using the spoken Absolutely. word to many in this situation. Right. right. It's a lot like being an MC in many ways. All right. That is an excellent segue into your first tip, which was get a lot of experience conducting interviews. But, but Tom, you know, I had one of those podcasts that left, you know, I've done 10 episodes. I'm ready, Right. Well, I think you probably have to do more than 10 episodes. When I think of people who are great interviewers, there's a lot of names that come to mind, but we always think most people, you know, of a certain age are going to think of Larry King and they're going to think of Oprah. And when we look at, and many others, as we look at people like that, their interview skills of being great didn't start that way. It's, it's much like, it's much like speaking. When I first got involved with the National Speakers Association, I read an article in Speaker Magazine that was an interview with Roxanne Emmerich. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to quote it properly, but Roxanne said, before you're going to be great, really great as a professional speaker, you need to have given around 300 professional speeches. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people go like, 300? Oh my God, I'll never get there. But looking back on my own career, because I'm now close to a thousand speeches that I've given, somewhere around 300, I got the confidence to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more playful on stage. Same thing Mm -hmm. is true with interviewing people. If you look back at episode number, I don't know, 60 or 40 of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, I don't think that my skills are anywhere as good as we now approach episode 700 of Making Waves at Sea Level. Same thing is true with Speakernomics. When we started the show, I told the National Speakers Association, it's going to take about 10 or 15 or 20 episodes Mm -hmm. before I find the voice of the show. And now we're 40 or so episodes in, I think we're starting to find that voice and it's just going to get better. So you need to be a student of the interview. You need to look at interviewing as an art form. And once you can do that and you can prove that you can do that and you have some episodes that you could play for an association or you can play for a Mm -hmm. company, they're going to get the idea after listening to your show three or four times. "Ah, I, I like their vibe. I like their personality. I like the way they ask questions and go deeper. And and once you have that skill, then you're in a position where you can go out and sell it. I think one of the problems is too many people in our society see something and go, oh, someone's making money at that. I'll just put it on my LinkedIn. And then when they get the job, they do a subpar product. And Mm -hmm. then clients say, oh, 
I don't know if a professional host is really for us. Right, right. And much like if we're giving advice to somebody who wants to become a professional speaker, we tell them to find opportunities to do it, to speak in front of people a lot in order to get that time and to develop the skills, whether that's at a Rotary Club or however you're going to do it. So if I wanted to develop my interviewing skills, do you have suggestions of how I might do that? Yeah, start your own podcast. You and I have been hosting a show Mm -hmm. together that's a video show. It's not on the podcast Mm -hmm. apps. It's on Facebook Live and on YouTube called The Conference Talk Show. And you and I have now done almost 100 interviews. Plus, last year, we hosted NSA's breakout sessions for influence over a Mm three-month period. So when you add that to it, we've done like 120 video interviews. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. confident now that I could tell people, oh, I'm really good at video interviews. I don't know that I would I don't know that I would have said that 18 months ago because I hadn't done that many video interviews. Audio interviews, I've now done close to a thousand audio interviews. So I think that if you if you're interested in this, if you're like, oh, I like what Tom's talking about, and you haven't started your own podcast, it's pretty low mm. barrier to entry. I, I would go start a podcast and make the commitment that I'm gonna do, you know, two shows a week for a year. At the end of those hundred interviews, you're gonna be good. Right. And fortunately. In the National Speakers Association, there are a lot of people who would love to be interviewed. (laughs) It's pretty easy to find guests. In fact, one of the great things is one of the shows that I do for another organization, uh, once a month, I do a solo career advice show, and they are Mm. amazed at the guests I come up with. Well, I just go out to NSA and I say, I need someone who's an expert on stress, or I need someone who's an expert on diversity and inclusion. And I find amazing people to interview for that show, like Eliz Green or like Jessica Pettit or, or my, you know, I find my friends. So it is so easy to find really smart people on any topic that you want if you're an NSA member, because all of our friends, you know, I'll be on anybody's podcast. If you want to start a podcast and you want a guest that you can practice with, I'll do it for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, as will most of us, because, <laughs> you know, that's yet another thing we can promote for ourselves. So that works great. All right. That was a great first tip. Let's talk about your second tip. Well, the second Let tip is, yeah, is, is tell as many people as you can that you do this type of work. If you're already mm-hmm. an active working speaker and you have a big network in the association world, in the corporate uh, meeting and marketing world, you know, let your clients know that, you know, you've hosted your own podcast for a year, you've become really good at your interview skills, and that, you know, there's there's this new thing out there where mm-hmm. brands are hiring people to host their shows and that, that you do it. The more you talk about it, the more you're going to do it. When you go on someone else's podcast and they ask you about your career, work that into your bio. My bio, whether I'm giving a speech, uh, whether I'm being interviewed, whatever it is, my bio says, you know, Tom Singer is, he's an author, he's a professional speaker, a master of ceremonies, and he is the professional host of several association and corporate podcasts. And that's Mm -hmm. how these other ones that I'm currently negotiating with and finding out if we're on the same wave, they found me because somebody told them, oh, I know somebody who does that. Oh, you're looking for a podcast host. I know a guy who hosts podcasts for associations. And right right now there's not a really big market for it. Nobody knows where to go. So people are coming to me, but there's room, I think, for all of us. Uh, That is very generous, Tom Singer. That is right in the Cabot spirit. 
build that bigger pie. That uh, That is a good way of looking at it. So let me push back just a little bit. Because I think when people hear, let as many people know as possible that you do this, that sounds like I'm going to hold up a megaphone and shout at everybody about, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do. Um, And that's a good way to turn some people off. (laughs) How do you do that in a way that is approachable and elegant, still getting that information out, but not being, you know, people putting their fingers in the ears about like, no, I don't want to listen to that. Well, it's the same way we work when we're professional speakers, master of ceremonies is we need to be our own self promoters. I tell everybody who wants to get into the speaking business that if you're going to get in the speaking business, you're going to be a full-time salesperson. And if the Mm -hmm. idea of being a salesperson cringes you out because you think salespeople are pushy and smarmy and, 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 and megaphoning in your ear, everything they do buy from me, buy from me then you're never going to be successful as a speaker. Now, you've got to find ways to do it that isn't what we just talked about. You don't want to be a gross salesperson. You want to be a good and effective salesperson. And one of the first steps you have to do is you have to, you know, you have to get the word out there and you have to market. And so you just can subtly add it in. Like I said, it's in my introduction that people read when they introduce me. Mm-hmm. Um it's on my LinkedIn profile. So it's it's there. And when I'm asked questions, I tell people I do it. And because it's still sort of a unique business, people go, ooh, tell me more about that. So mm-hmm. that's how I sort of get the word out there. I would love to host six or seven shows. I don't have six or seven sold and booked yet. So this is still mm-hmm. a growing thing. But I've really only been working on this as an arm of my business since late last year. I, I had the Digital Enterprise Society show for for a few years now, but I only realized that, oh, this is a thing. I only really realized it about a year ago. So, you know, you have to just work it into the vernacular of how you market yourself. And as speakers, we don't want to be like, hire me to speak, hire me to speak. You don't want to be desperate and smarmy. (laughs) But at the same time, if you don't tell people that this is what I do and this is what I speak on, they're never going to hire you. I had a friend from college who told me his company had their, their big event and they hated their keynote speaker. And I jokingly said, why didn't you hire me? I go, uh, first thing I said is, who made the decision? And he said, I did. And I said, why didn't you hire me? And he goes, I forgot you were a professional speaker. <laughs> now, now, this is somebody, I, I went to college with him. We were good friends. And I said, how many professional speaker friends do you have? And he laughed and he goes, you and I forgot you did it. So if we're not telling people, even our closest friends, what we do for a living, they're going to forget. Uh, that, oh, that hurts my heart just a little bit. It really does. <laughs> but it's happened to all of uh, us. Yeah, it has happened to all of us. I also wanted to underline something you said a little bit earlier when you were saying about you were interviewing the CEO and you used what you do as an example when you're speaking. It is a wonderful opportunity anytime we're on the on the stage or doing a podcast interview when you're framing something to say, Oh, you know, this happened while I was doing this. That's a really nice way. How do you work in the, the, I'm a professional podcast host into that sort of example. A a great way kind of off the top of my head is, as I said, I'm coming close to between the show that you and I do together between my personal podcast and the three other shows where I'm the outside host. I have interviewed close to a thousand business professionals 
And mm-hmm. so I have a lot of examples when people ask a question that I can say, you know, one time I interviewed somebody and they said X, Y, Z. And so if you're interviewing them on a show, I could say, you know, one of the things I do is I'm a professional podcast host for associations and companies. And I interviewed somebody who worked at NASA. And I learned that NASA mm-hmm. actually has a whole department that if we're talking about learning from your mistakes, I could say I interviewed somebody who is the head of their whole department of how they learn from Apollo, Challenger, Columbia accidents. They, they have people who are studying that. And then I could go on to cite what I learned in that interview that I did with this person. So now mm-hmm. I'm making it relevant to the topic. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about somebody I interviewed. I'm using them as an example, but I have weaved into the conversation, I do this for a living. And so whether you want to be a podcast host or you want more speaking gigs, That's another Mm -hmm. thing is, you know, oh, I speak in a lot of different industries. And that time that I was speaking in the air conditioning industry, I learned Mm -hmm. from the audience, da, 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 da. Now, all of a sudden, people are like, oh, you're a speaker and you speak in a lot of different industries. Could you speak to doctors or would that speech work for lawyers or whatever their need is? So you need to seed it in there without being, it's all about me, hire me, hire me. Right, right. Uh, Because we don't want the megaphone. We want them to actually listen to us. So those are great tips. This time, anytime I get to talk to you, the time goes very quickly, but we're getting close to the the end of our time. If let's say I've decided, yes, yes, I do want people to hire me to host those outside podcasts. Give me one more thought. What do I need to do? Well, I think the thing you need to remember is if Mm -hmm. you're going to host podcasts for brands, Mm -hmm. meaning companies and associations, you need to remember then that you always represent that brand. I am Mm -hmm. very conscious when I am on Twitter, when I am on Facebook, when I am on LinkedIn, that in a small little sliver of my life, right now I represent my brand, Tom Singer, as a speaker and as a podcast host Mm -hmm. and all the different things I do. But I also, in a little teeny piece of my world, I represent the Digital Enterprise Society, Sales Success Media, and the National Speakers Association. So you have to be aware that if you're going to be the spokesman for a brand, and that's really what you are, if you're going to take on this role of of being the professional host, that you may not be able to talk about what your feelings are about something in politics or something in religion or anything else that would be controversial. And if you're a person who feels like you need to log on to Twitter every time something happens in the world and let everybody know your opinion, you might set yourself up for being at odds with the brands that you represent. So you have to learn that if you're going to go down this road, it's not just you. You actually have to do that. And I talk to all of the brands that I work for and the ones I'm negotiating with about is there anything you know, about me that, you know, worries you and is there anything out there that is, is taboo or something else? So Mm -hmm. I'm not one who's going to probably step on a lot of, of, of minds for that type of thing, but I am very conscious of it. Yeah. Well, and you never know. I, I think it's very smart to ask about the taboo thing, because if you're doing the Home Depot podcast, you don't post from Lowe's. <laughs> well, a- absolutely. That's that's another thing is, is where is that exclusivity lie? And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not in a situation with any of the people I work for where I have an exclusivity issue, but that could come up. And so you have to be aware of that. I am so glad that whoever decided to do this episode this way 
did that because I personally got a lot out of this interview and it's always a joy to get to, to talk to you. So thank you so much for being a guest on the Speakernomics podcast to flip it over. And I'm going to throw it back to you to close out the show. Well, Elis, as I said, I couldn't have imagined anybody I would rather give the keys to this car to. And uh, there's not a scratch on it. Speakernomics is stronger <laughs> and better than it was before because you got you got to take the reins for 30 minutes here as we did this episode. So thank you for hosting this episode of Speakernomics. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I hope you found this a little bit of fun to have the host be the guest. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. when we'll do it again, but it was an idea that came from the staff of the National Speakers Association. And uh, I said, they said, would you be willing to be the guest? And I said, sure. And they said, would it be okay if Eliz interviewed you? And I said, I could think of nobody better. That would be awesome. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you to the staff for this idea. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. Do me a favor, join in every single week. We have a new episode. And each time we're going to bring you thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how you can make more money as a professional speaker and build a better business. But always remember the motto of this podcast. And Eliz, I want you to say it with me. Speak, Speak. get paid, get paid, repeat, repeat. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.